Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast, the Hey California Waiting edition, as the Bengals head to San Francisco, or more accurately, Santa Clara, to take on the 5-2 49ers. Coming up, I'll visit with the legendary Jim Nance, who will be in the booth for CBS on Sunday. Bengal safeties coach Rob Livingston discusses the challenge of trying to defend a Kyle Shanahan offense. And in this week's Know the Foe segment, we'll get the latest on the Niners from their radio voice, Greg Papa. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health. The best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official health care provider of the Bengals. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since kind celebrities. In just a moment, you're going to hear my conversation with one of the most famous sports broadcasters of all time, Jim Nance. Every time I talk to Jim, my admiration for him grows. For a celebrity of his magnitude, he is one of the nicest, most genuine people you could ever meet. I've been around another megastar who is similar, Dick Vitale, who always takes time for fans, regardless of the circumstances. Many years ago, when I was a college student at Syracuse and people still had home answering machines, I asked Dick Vitale if he would record my outgoing message. Here was the result. Hi, everybody. This is Dick Vitale of ESPN and ABC. My buddy Dan's not home right now. Right now, he's out at the Dome. He's working with the Cuse. He's trying to help my man, Jimmy Beheim. Remember, call my PTP buddy, my guy, a primetime performer, Big Dan. That was a big hit at the time, but there was one problem. I came home to a ton of messages every day, only to listen to a bunch of people hanging up after hearing Dick Vitale. In any case, I consider Jim Nance and Dick Vitale to be Awesome Baby with a capital A. Now, time for my conversation with the guy who will be behind the mic for the Super Bowl this year. It is a Nance and Romo game this Sunday, and it is a thrill for me to visit with one of my broadcasting heroes, the great Jim Nance. Jim, the Bengals started 0-2, now they're 3-3. Joe Burrow appears to be close to 100%. Are the Bengals back, or do you still have some questions? No, I have no questions. First off, Dan, great to be back with you. We've got a nice little thing going here on a year-to-year basis. So I'm going to call this, for what it is now, a tradition unlike any other. Okay, (laughs) so I don't know... it seems like I may have said that somewhere, but it really it really fits right here, right now. Uh, they're back. They're back, and they're on the same path that they had last year. Bumpy start, figure it out, start winning games, a big threat at the end. That's what I expect anyway. You and Tony have called many of their biggest games over the last couple of years. What do you enjoy about watching and broadcasting a Cincinnati Bengals game with this particular team? Well, it, it, believe it or not, for me, it starts behind the scenes. I enjoy dealing, if that's the right word, with with that organization. They got a very sharp, by the way, PR team. I don't get to extol this very often, but for someone who wants to read everything and seeks information, 
Uh, PJ and his crew, they're on top of it. They're already like loading me up with material times 10. It's most in the league. So it starts there, believe it or not, at the ground level so that I get prepared. And then when I meet with the Bengals, uh, they're just terrific. Uh, this, this week, for example, uh, talking to the head coach, the D coordinator, the offensive coordinator, they're all great. They're great guys. And they give us tremendous insight into the game. And they're all very well-spoken and insightful, so they're helpful. What I like is they're exciting. And that's what the fans like. You know, the fans like, with, with Cincinnati, anything can happen. On both sides of the ball. Uh, you know, their defense is starting to roll now. Um, like I said, Joe is starting to look healthy. And once T is back at full throttle, which after a bye week, maybe this week he will be. And you get back to have that combo on both sides. Of course, Boyd can come in and do what he did in the last game. Uh, this is an exciting team. This is an exciting team. Uh, there's opportunity here for them. The season did not get away from them, even with that uh, that poor start. Uh, they're right back in the mix. But this is a tough assignment, as you know. Coming off uh, a bye and going into a hornet's nest where it's going to be a very angry 49er team waiting for them after they've just uh, lost two away from home. Uh, it's going to be a good matchup. There's more network crossover than there used to be, but CBS is still the primary home for AFC games. And that means an unbelievable gauntlet of quarterbacks this year. It's probably unprecedented. Where does Burrow fit, in your opinion? I hate to make this list up, Dan, because I always feel like I'm going to leave one of them out. But look, he's been to the... AFC championship game multiple times. He's played in the Super Bowl. Uh, his record, uh, I, I mean, what he's done in just fourth year, I mean, it, it's it's insane. You got the guy over in Buffalo. You got the guy in Kansas City. You got the guy down in Miami. You got the guy in Baltimore. You got the guy at the Chargers. By the way, you got the guy at Houston that's going to be a force. Uh, he, he, Stroud's going to be a force. Um Man, it is it is just it's player after player. I've never seen one conference so rich with quarterbacks. And you, you look at it, and they're all franchise guys. You start to think, like, the next crop coming out, sure, there's, there's still teams that are looking for quarterbacks, but there's, like, a lot of teams on the AFC side. They're locked in. They've got their guy for the next decade, including a Cincinnati. So uh, it's a... It gives us, you're right, we are still the primary flagship network of the AFC. And it, it gives us a lot of great matchups to choose from. Let's talk about the other quarterback, Brock Purdy. Have we seen enough at this point? It's about a full season, if you include the playoffs last year. Have we seen enough to consider him to be in the upper echelon? I don't want to take anything away from what he's accomplished. He's coming off two losses with injured players around him. And I had McCaffrey back this last week. He's not 100%. No Debo, Debo Samuel. Um, but it's been, hey, it has been an amazing journey for him as the last pick in the draft a year ago. It's not putting him down in any capacity, but you got to see multiple years in the postseason. I think he has that it factor that goes with not only the ability to lead a team down the field, to make the right decisions, in, in, in microseconds to, to, 
to, to, to figure out where to go with the football. I mean, it's the, the real speed is just crazy how you figure out where you need to go and the windows you need to hit. He's done all of that. He's done that at a remarkably high level and with, with speed from a, a rookie uh, to now just in his second year. It, it's amazing. But, you know, it, you're talking about elite. You've got guys like number nine, Cincinnati. You can't compare what Brock has done because just hasn't enough time yet to what Joe has done or what Patrick has done. Or even though Josh Allen hasn't taken Buffalo to a Super Bowl, they've been in an AFC championship game. They've been in the playoffs multiple years. So you got to see more work. But the kid is good. The kid is better than good. And there's more than just the way he makes these decisions. There's a, something about the way he carries himself way beyond his years. There's an ease and a comfort, a confidence, not an overconfidence. I was on a station this week in San Francisco, and they were making comparisons. They tried to make a comparison to Brock Purdy and my partner, Tony Romo. And I said, no, I don't see it. Uh, maybe you've got the long shot story where Tony was undrafted. Purdy was the last pick in the draft. It, there you can draw a comparison. In terms of style, they don't throw it the same way. They don't run around in the pocket the same way. Uh, he reminds me more of a Joe Montana. Again, talking about one of the legends of the game with the test of time to look at that record versus a body of work here that's got one year behind it. So comparisons are dangerous, especially when you're talking early on. But the kid's got something special happening. I know that. And players play for him. We're visiting with Jim Nance. Let's talk for a moment about Jamar Chase, who is among the NFL leaders in receptions. He's on a pace for 142. The Bengals team record is 112. When you watch that Burrow to Chase combination, what stands out? It looks unstoppable. You know, the first memory I have of it, of course, you'll, you'll know it well, your audience will too, was that regular season game at Cincinnati against Kansas City. When he lit up the Chiefs for three touchdowns, and I believe it was 226 yards, that was awesome to watch. And, of course, they went on to meet in the AFC Championship, and he he, he did some things that you just, you just don't see anywhere. So uh, that was an incredible day, by the way, in Cincinnati. And that, that game was back and forth, just a wild affair. If you remember, at the end of the game, the coaches played it just right. And Joe got knocked out late in that game. Brendan Allen, who's going to be the third quarterback this week for the 49ers, came in and took those last few snaps before the game-winning field goal. Um, but that was an amazing day in the jungle. And that's the biggest memory I have of Jamar Chase. I had a front-row seat to one of the great performances ever seen by a wide receiver in my nearly 40 years. You also had one of the all-time great calls on one of his big plays in that game. Chase, there is no Chase as he pulled away as he pulled away from the posse. I wasn't sure what I said. So when you were starting down there, that path a moment ago, I was thinking, oh, I hope it was good. <laughs> it's really good. I, I don't know. Well, thank you. Yeah, I was running out of superlatives that day. My, my, my reservoir of superlatives had, uh, had expired. Uh, but he, he's fun to watch. We've had some good production meetings with him, too. So I'm looking forward to this game. Um, believe it or not, and you guys know it all too well, when you go to the Super Bowl, 
San Francisco's always there waiting for you. But it, it's our year. We go every three years. It's our year to be back with the big game, February 11th. And I'm thinking, I know people say, wait a minute. What's he talking about? We're three and three. You know, 49ers are stumbling now at five and two. It's early. It's a long season. This could be our matchup. This could be our, we could be getting a little preview of what we're going to see in February. I really believe it. I'm not predicting it. I'm just saying, I think there's a, a, a chance and, and a good chance it could happen. I have one th- final thing for you. It is not related to the Cincinnati Bengals. It's related to something that made the rounds on social media about a week ago. You have a home near Pebble Beach. You were apparently going for a walk recently. You came upon a group that was playing the famed seventh hole, and you took one of the golfer's cell phones and did a little play-by-play, giving him a memory for a lifetime. I love random acts of kindness, which was great. Is that something you get a kick out of? I do get a kick out of it. I didn't ever expect something like that to get uh, posted or go viral. Last I heard, I think it was over 7 million hits. The truth is, Dan, I've done it not hundreds of times, thousands of times. I've lived at Pebble Beach full-time for 11 years, and I still live there part-time. I'm going to be spending these days leading up to the game in my house, and I'll be out on Pebble Beach Golf Links again, no doubt doing this for any number of groups. Not because I'm looking for something to do, but I get waved over to come say hello to a group and i love people i'm not going to blow anybody off and speed past them in my golf cart that ken venturi gave to me years ago i'll pull over and go shake hands if they ask me to call one of their shots i will happily oblige so that that video that went viral that's something i've done so many times i can't even begin to count and that was not recent by the way Mm. when i saw it i was shocked because i had not been back at my home since the summer. So I'm figuring it happened in either June, July, or August of of this summer. But this summer alone, I probably did it several hundred times to, uh, I can't say unsuspecting golfers because they're the ones that ask for it. I don't walk up and say, hey, guys, can I come over and call some shots? <laughs> they ask for it. And and again, I'm happy to try to make a memory for people. And I, I, I try to get creative, too. I know on that video that went viral, I opened up with tonight on CBS, begins with 60 Minutes. And we're back here at the seventh hole. My new favorite has has become, <laughs> sounds terrible, sounds a little smarmy, but I, I take their phone. I normally record it uh, because I, I know how I want to. I can shoot the shot probably better than someone hasn't done it before and follow the ball. But I also have the microphone right at the base of the phone. So my voice is, it's going to come through a little clearer, but now I start with, with the phone tilted to the sky and I'll pick it up at mid sentence and I'll be in the middle of an obit, <laughs> a faux obit. He was one of the great guys of all time and he will be missed. Pause, 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 and I'll bring the camera down and give that respectful space and pause. And then I'll say, we're back here at the seventh hole. And I'll go into my call. And I always include Dottie Pepper, my colleague. Dottie, where did that go? (laughs) Oh, Dottie, that was going right. (laughs) I'm just being silly. I had no idea it was become uh, this viral video, but hey, 
It's all good. It's all fun. And I love being at Pebble Beach. And I love being a part of the experience for people if they ask for it. I'm not looking for it, but I'm happy to try to make someone else happy. And it comes as no surprise that you add production value as one of the greatest <laughs> broadcasters of all time. Jim, this has been a treat. It is a tradition unlike any other. So I look forward to doing it again in the future. Appreciate your time and look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Thank you, my friend. Look forward to the next time, too. All the very best. If you haven't seen the video I referred to, just search for Jim Nance Pebble Beach and it will pop right up. As I said at the beginning of this podcast, you won't find a nicer, more friendly celebrity. I recorded that conversation with Jim before the news broke on Wednesday that Niners quarterback Brock Purdy is in concussion protocol. ESPN's Adam Schefter says that Purdy is unlikely to play, although it is technically possible for him to clear concussion protocol in time for Sunday's game. If he can't play, Sam Darnold would start in his place. The former Jets and Panthers quarterback was the third pick in the draft in 2018 and has started 55 games in the NFL. He has 61 touchdown passes and 55 interceptions. But he's never played for an offensive mastermind like San Francisco coach Kyle Shanahan. The Niners are second in the NFL in scoring at roughly 29 points a game, and I discussed the challenge of facing that offense with Bengals safeties coach Rob Livingston. Rob, it would seem to me that the 49ers offense, with the constant motion and the heavy play-action emphasis, would be especially tough on your position group, the safeties. Is that true? Yeah, it is. It's, it's a unique offense. Obviously, it starts with the personnel, uh, the people, you know, a top, uh, top three tight end, and he's not number three. So he's one or two, however you view him. Um, and then the shifts and the motions and, you know, the personnel in terms of 21 personnel. We don't see that a lot here, obviously. So it's different. You know, you got to have great eyes, got to have a great plan. You know, Lou's come up with a great plan. We feel good about it. And uh, just excited to get the week started. And, and again, there are some moving pieces that you got to work through and make sure everybody kind of sees it the same way. And that's why it's good we have a long week and uh, the guys are excited about it. 21 personnel fullback, right? You know, the uh, the fullback, some places that's gone the way of the dodo bird. Um, <laughs> but in San Francisco and Miami, obviously it has not. And they do a great job with it. Um, they can make it look like, you know, any personnel grouping. It looks like three wide outs. It can look like two tight ends. And, and they're both special players. So 44 and 85 obviously are, are dynamic in everything they do. And, and um, it, it kind of all starts there for us. Excluding your own offensive coaching staff, do you consider Kyle Shanahan to be the best play designer in the NFL? Oh, yeah, he's up there for sure. Um, again, I, I think uh, each week has its own challenges, so I, I'm a little bit short-sighted that way. Mm -hmm. um, but in the offseason, I think for sure, if you went and looked at what they did and the compliments, you know, this play looks the same, but it's the opposite. And uh, I think he does a great job putting his dynamic players in position to impact the game. And that's really what it's about. I mean, with him, it's it's people, it's not plays. And um, they really do a great job. Obviously, the back is, is as unique as anybody in the NFL. And um, he's dynamic. So uh, what he's done, you know, with the run game and then the play actions off of that, you know, I, I think if you look at it um, embarrassingly, I, I, I listen to uh, play callers, the uh, <laughs> the thing on The Athletic um, every morning working out this summer in Montana. And um, just his his mind, his, his weekly preparation, the way he goes and kind of sees the game it's a, it's unique obviously it's in his blood so it's all he's ever done and and he is a phenomenal challenge for sure we're visiting with safeties coach rob livingston nick scott came from the rams he faced this team nine times over the last four years now in some of those games he was just playing special teams but still that's a bunch of exposure to the 49ers is that a big deal or not really 
Oh, yeah, I think it always helps. Um, you know, he, he's been in that environment. It's been a long time since we've been in San Francisco. So as simple as it is, you know, just, hey, let's talk about the grass, Nick. What's it like there? Mm-hmm. Is it wet? Is it um, the old candlestick where it was kind of always wet? You know, what's the stadium like? What's the environment like? Um, you know, what should we think that way in terms of what it's going to feel like? And then the offense for sure. I mean, we can try to replicate how fast it's going to be and the shifts and the motions and all that kind of stuff. But um, he's lived it for sure. So uh, had those conversations early in the week. And, and if, if he uh, speaks to the group about it he's got you know open dialogue and, and he, he's got the floor so he, he'll kind of paint the picture for what it's going to be like and and yeah it's a phenomenal asset for sure again it's not the the everything but it helps let's talk about the secondary I think it's easy to forget how young this group is of the guys that are playing where does that youth show up Early in the week, <laughs> um, you know, it, it's it's a new week, obviously, uh, every week. So, um, you know, with those guys, they, they do a great job, you know, Mondays and Tuesdays. You know, the leaders of this group, the Mike Hiltons, the, the Cheetos, the, the guys like that really kind of set the stage. They watch film together on Tuesdays. And so some of the, the tough questions have at least come up by the time you come in the building on Wednesday. But, you know, the great thing about young players is, is they're eager. Uh, there's no scars. There's nothing that they can think back to of, um, you know, okay, I faced this guy before. Um, it's their first time matching up. So it's uh, it's a phenomenal blessing, and um, you know it really is unique, especially in my time here, to have this many young guys, and um, it gives you a, a different teaching environment, I guess. You know, you, you hate to say every young guy is different than how it used to be. You sound like that old guy uh, yelling from your front porch, uh, but you do find yourself. You know, how do you reach these guys? You got to learn the learner. That's our job as coaches, as teachers. Um, so maybe it's not as much, uh, you know, just playbook stuff. Hey, let's go walk it out. Let's let's do this at like half speed. Let's let's go in the turf area. Let's see some things. Um, um, you know, here's some other teams doing the same technique. I, I think uh, the more they can see other people doing what we're talking about, the better. Um, it, with teams like San Francisco, sometimes that can be a challenge because we haven't played them in a while. So you kind of spend your early part of the week making cut-ups, trying to so, so they can see it, and then uh, then it's just practice. You know, again, that's why we do it. If we didn't need it, we would just show up on Sunday, and everybody's life would be a lot easier. So try to put them in tough spots uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So, the, again, the snakes are all unearthed, and you can see what you got and go from there. In Dax's first year as a starter, he's got two interceptions and two sacks through six games. Evaluate his play. Yeah, it's been uh, like most young players. It's been up and down. I, I've told Dax this, so I'll say it to anybody. He could be, you know, as as great as anybody. He's uh, God gave him a phenomenal athletic ability, and he's uh, he's a unique athlete that way. You know, playing the position full time for the first time this year. Um, you know, training camp was was great for him to just get his feet set and go play again. Um, Nick Scott said, you know, you can't really learn to play safety. You have to play safety. It's like if somebody says, hey, I'm going to teach you how to play basketball in a, in a classroom. Well, no, you're not. You have to go play basketball. So. Um, the more reps these guys get, the, the, you know, the better they are. It's just how it is in, in any profession. So it's exciting. You know, I think the whole group has, has really kind of taken strides, and, and we're just working on being consistent. I think with any young player, with any team that has guys that are playing together for the first time, consistency is what you're looking for. So that's our goal here for the next half of the season. We're chatting with safeties coach Rob Livingston. Your position group also includes a 33-year-old, 12-year vet who's on the practice squad in Michael Thomas. What's it mean to have Mike still be on this team oh it means the world um you know mike is as special as anybody i've ever been around uh, mike could 
could do anything in the world. He could work at Procter & Gamble. He could be in the government. He could be in Secret Service. He could do anything. Um, and he's here with us, and he's away from his family, and he's, he's putting himself through, you know, what a lot of other 33-year-olds won't do for the, for the good of the team. You know, we talk all the time about a team mentality and what does that look like. That looks like Mike Thomas. Um, so he's a special, special guy. I think the world of him. Uh, I'd do anything in the world for him. You know, he's made me a better person, a better coach, um, and just really grateful to have him. It's your fifth year working with Lou Anarumo. He's been called the mad scientist. He's been called Ludini for his ability to confuse opposing quarterbacks. After working side-by-side side with him for that period of time, what do you admire and respect? Uh, well, it's a blessing uh, to be with him, number one. Um, you know, each week is different. You know, he sees the game uh, from a back-end perspective, which helps. Um, and there's always a why to what we're doing. So, you know, he's got the ability to, to kind of tear up the old game plan and do something completely different. And um, his feel on game day, I think, is is uh, incredibly unique and dynamic. I think that's probably his his secret sauce. You know, that's what, what separates him is he can kind of see what's hurting us and, and go away from it um, if, if it is hurting us and get to something that can help us. And, and just his ability to trust in the guys. Um, you know, there's been plenty of times where, you know, hey, what are you thinking here? What, what are you thinking there? As a position coach, as a player, uh, he, he gives you, you know, carte blanche as long as you're going to do it the right way. And, again, it's a phenomenal blessing to work for him and work for Zach and this organization. And um, I'll take a lot from Lou, you know, whether it's how we game plan to how you call the game, how you set up something maybe in the fourth quarter by doing something in the second quarter and, and just staying ahead of your calls that way. So uh, each week, you know, after the game, you kind of make your notes about, you know, hey, this is what we did and, and um, kind of store those in your binder if that day ever comes up. Really appreciate your time. Best of luck this week. Oh, thanks a lot. Appreciate all you do. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official health care provider of the Bengals. Now, Time for this week's Know the Foe segment. When I got to Syracuse University in hopes of becoming a sports broadcaster, there was a student one year ahead of me who sounded like a network broadcaster as a college sophomore. His name was Greg Papa. His first job out of college was broadcasting Indiana Pacers games, and he eventually moved to San Francisco, where over the years he's been the announcer at some point for nearly every team in the Bay Area, including the 49ers, Oakland Raiders, Golden State Warriors, San Francisco Giants, and Oakland A's. He's one of the all-time greats, and he joined Lap and me this week on the Bengals Game Plan Show. The first topic, the status of San Francisco quarterback Brock Purdy. So uh, there were a couple of situations in the game on Monday night where he may have been concussed. There was a couple of quarterback sneaks, as we call them, the Purdy Plunge. And he got whacked on swimming on top of a pile by uh, the Vikings middle linebacker, Jordan Hicks. He also, um, one play, Daniil Hunter, a great edge rusher, uh, beat our right tackle, Colton McKibbin, so quick to the inside that Brock had to spin out to his left right away. And he didn't get thrown down on that play. But when you talk to head trauma experts, Dan, it's sometimes it's just the violent nature of moving your head fast and sometimes just decelerating it. It doesn't have to be a, a whack to the head or even a whiplash to the ground. Um, so it could be any one of those plays. So I, I think it's safe to say he played a portion of the game with it, but he didn't feel it until we landed on Monday morning turning to Tuesday night. 
So uh, we landed at like, we had to go to SFO, uh, San Francisco airport at 2.30 in the morning. We landed, didn't get back to Santa Clara until 3.15, so a long night. Um, so we'll see. He was out there today when they were doing walkthrough portions of practice. And then when it was more than that, he had to leave. And then we'll see where he is tomorrow. But that's why they brought in Sam Darnold, the first hour of uh, the legal tampering period back in March. They signed Sam Darnold to a contract. And that was right after Brock had the UCL surgery on March 10th, which was that Friday. And they didn't know if he was going to need full-blown Tommy John, the ligament replacement, or just the internal brace. They did do the internal brace, but it was very early in his rehab. And Trey Lance was still the niner then, and he um, he was not cleared yet. So um, they got they got Sam in here and incentivized his contract. And then your guy, Brandon Allen, is the third quarterback, and he would be the number two, and he may get some scout team reps tomorrow. So. Uh, I thought we'd be talking about Joe Burrow and his calf going into this talk tonight, and now it's turned into Brock Purdy's head and whether or not he's going to be cleared to be able to play on Sunday. What about other guys? Um, Debo Samuel has got that fracture of the shoulder, right, the hairline fracture, so he's already been ruled out. At least he was. They said he was going to be out for a couple of weeks um, when, they, when in the Monday night game. Trent Williams with the high ankle sprain is th- this guy, in my mind, a beast. I mean, I he, I think he's the best lineman in football. I really do. I think this guy is incredibly gifted with his size and his movement and his athletic ability. I mean, he's a freakazoid. How about him? Is he going to be able to make the dance? Trent's trying to work through it. Uh, he is the best left tackle in football. I mean, the 49ers had Joe Staley here for a number of years, and then they made a trade with Washington to get Trent, and it's you're going from one Hall of Famer to another. Joe was a terrific player. Well, we're talking Anthony Munoz, you know, your guy. This guy is just all that. He's a mauler, a great in pass pro. Go back and watch our Dallas game on Sunday Night Football and what he did to Micah Parsons in that game. And I don't think Micah was right. He had, a, he had a knee injury going into that game from the week before against New England. But Trent just, just owned him. Uh, he got rolled up on in Cleveland. Shelby Harris, uh, the veteran defensive lineman, rolled up on him in a pile. He was out for exactly two snaps. Uh, did not play well in that game. It was his worst game by far. He has a history of ankle injuries. It's it's not a high ankle, it's a low. Uh, but he'll try to work through it. And obviously in this game, Trey Hendrickson's terrific. And he lines up uh, mainly over the left tackle. So that would be Trent. Uh, if Trent can't go, Jalen Moore played the game against Minnesota and did all right in the game. Uh, but we didn't run the ball well in that game. And that's the the essence of the 49er offense uh, is being able to run the football consistently. And McCaffrey only had three yards of carry. The whole team was three yards of carry against Minnesota. And the best night was a scramble by Brock Purdy. So it's a major, major drop-off. If Brock can't play, Sam Darnold's a really good player. If, if Trent can't play, Jalen Moore is learning his way in the NFL. And you guys will take advantage of that. So... That is the major, major X factor going into the game. Obviously, Brock Purdy's availability, but the Grand Trent Williams. And right now, it's just too early in the week. We don't know about either guy. The voice of the 49ers, Greg Pop, is our guest. I caught the end of the broadcast on Monday night. I was in my car. You described how Kirk Cousins was surgical for the Vikings 
late in that game. He was 35 for 45 overall, 378 yards. Did he expose the 49ers secondary in any way? Is that a group that's not great? Outside of a Patrick Mahomes performance, and you guys have seen him a lot in big games, and the last seven minutes of the Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl 54, and then he came in last year, October 23rd, and just devoured the Niners. They almost put up 50. And then a Josh Allen game in the pandemic year, I, I can't remember anybody else play quarterback like Kirk Cousins did against the Niner defense with Nick Bosa on the field. It's just, they didn't sack him, Dan. They, they did, and they pressured him, but he just, he, he manipulated the whole thing. And I think a lot of it is their head coach, Kevin O'Connell, and his knowledge of the 49er defense going back to his rankings. And then Kirk, uh, you know, knowing Kyle. And it was all checked with me at the line. He looked like Peyton Manning. And then he just, no matter what the Niners did, whether they pressured seven or dropped into a cover two zone, whether you played man or, or, or zone, he just, outside of the interception he threw early in the game to uh, Charvarius Ward when Ward was inside of Jordan Addison, he didn't make a mistake. He missed one touchdown throw in the back of the end zone when Addison made a double move. He threw it too flat. Outside of that, he was surgical, which leads to this game. You know, Kirk's a really good player. But your guy's better. And now that he's looking like he's moving around better, and then your head coach, Jack Taylor, would have the same intel that Kevin O'Connell would have from the Ram days. So I think it's the same kind of challenge in this game. Is And you got more wide receiver weapons, obviously, with your trio. And, you know, they didn't have Justin Jefferson on Monday. You got Jamar. It's going to be So the first thing is they got to get more pressure on the quarterback. And I mean hit him, stack him, knock him down. The Niners did not sack Kirk Cousins at all in the game. They pressured him, but he he manipulated it and stepped around it, and and then he, you know he found open guys. So uh, T.J. Hawkinson was a problem. Jordan Addison was a problem the whole game. But your trio's better, so I think this is a real challenge. I wasn't as worried about the Viking game going in as I was the Bengal game, because as I say, we we have a short week. We didn't get back till the wee hours on Tuesday morning. And you guys are coming off your bye week. And look at what the Browns were able to do to the Niners off their bye week. And they mainly ran the ball on the perimeter. So a huge advantage, I think, for the Bengals in this game, Dan, is the Niners playing a Monday night game, traveling home late, short week of practice, and you guys have you know, an extra week to get ready for the game. What did you think of uh, Christian McCaffrey? I mean, two touchdowns, obviously. I mean, he's the scoring machine. But do you think that that oblique was bothering him? To me, it looked like it was a little bit of an issue. It didn't look like the Christian McCaffrey free-flowing, you know, violent cut kind of guy, or was I just seeing things? No, I thought he looked the same. Um, I just watched him. That guy is a tireless worker. He works harder to get ready to practice than he does even in guys doing games. He's like Bosa on offense. He's just maniacal. Second-generation player. Uh, we saw him at Stanford, you know, during his college career, Dave, and I thought he was going to be a great slot wide receiver in yeah. the NFL. The next in Stokely or Wes Welker, or Julian Edelman, he could do all that. But he is a terrific running back. He has great feel. He's had to learn the zone scheme because he didn't grow up in it at Stanford with David Shaw. They were the power, but he's learned it, and he kind of does it differently than the other backs, where it's three, four steps to your landmark, get downhill 
Chris seems like he's surfing and he kind of feels it. Uh, the problem he's having right now is fumbling. He fumbled in the Cowboy game on the goal line. He fumbled in this game. Now Harrison Smith punched it out at the right moment. But whatever it was, Dave, and I think it's just teams getting a, a feel for the Niner running game, he hasn't been as productive. He wasn't as productive in Cleveland. He wasn't as productive in Minnesota. And I'm sure Anna Rumo is going to lock in on our run game. You take the run game away, uh, that's the start. If, you're, if I'm going into a game against the Niners, I'm starting, I'm starting on Kyle's run game. Now, it's hard to do. How many teams can do it? But if you do that and make us play, you know, without the bread and butter, the foundation of the house. But I think Christian was fine uh, in the game. I just think uh, Brock missed some throws in Cleveland with the wind and the, and the rain. Uh, just couldn't grip it and rip it. Brock was really good in this game going into the fourth quarter. And then go back and watch the two picks that he threw at the end of the game both to Cam Bynum, the, the Vikings safety. And you'll wonder, you know, did he not have all of his mental faculties? When did the concussion symptoms start to creep in? He, he didn't feel it until he landed at SFO on, on Monday night, turning to Tuesday morning, but maybe he was slightly off a little bit at the end of that game. Let's, let's hit defense real quick. Nick Bosa, reigning defensive player of the year. I mean, he had 73 quarterback pressures last year, more than anybody in the NFL. He's a, he's a freakazoid. We know that. Fred Warner might be the best linebacker in football. I mean, is an all-pro. Fred Warner's an all-pro. Hufanga in the back end at safety is an all-pro. Talk about those other guys. See, Bosa, everybody knows about Bosa. Talk about your linebacker and your safety, you know, like the shortstop and the center fielder in a good defensive baseball team. Well, I mean, Bosa, you guys know him from Ohio State. He's dominant. He's just a game wrecker. But uh, teams have been chipping him, and it's bothering him. Yeah. It frustrated him at times early in his career. Um, I know Cleveland did it, and they they, they bothered him. Um, he just he, Sometimes he quits on rushes because he gets chipped and he gets frustrated. Um, I, I think he's playing as well as he ever has. But they're not covering behind him, so the sacks aren't there. He's got two and a half on the year. Of course, he held out. He missed all the training camp. He signed uh, the, the Wednesday or Thursday before the first game in Pittsburgh. So he's not been as productive. But I think a lot of it has been the coverage. that They're just not they're syncing up the coverage behind the pass rush with the, with, the, with the pass rush. So a lot of it is they get there so fast that and they got Javon Hargrave now from Philadelphia and Eric Armstead. They just traded for Randy Gregory. Yeah. Um, but the ball's getting out fast. Watch our Ram game and how quickly Matthew Stafford quick passed us in the first half. And it was lightning. And he's back. You guys saw him on Monday Night Football. Um, what a great thrower of the ball he is. And they didn't have Cooper Cup in that game. They, they did have Puka Nakua and Chucho Atwell. And they, they got it out fast before Nick and the guys could get there, the gold rush. And uh, then the, the back end, they're not covering as well. Traverius Ward in a tough game, Mooney Man. And you know him from Kansas City. Um, just didn't cover as well. And they're, they're picking on the nickel guy, Isaiah Oliver. So Hufunga uh, is not making the amount of splash plays as he did last year when he was all pro. And then the other linebacker, Fred's playing great. The other linebacker, Dre Greenlaw, next to Fred, has been in and out of the lineup because he's got a, a hamstring injury. He missed the game in Cleveland, and he missed some snaps in Minnesota. 
and he didn't cover. They asked him to man up on Hawkinson a lot, and that was not a good matchup for him and man. He also got beat in a in a zone in a third and two where they they lined up uh, Jordan Addison as the number three inside receiver, and when he runs an over route at number three, the weak side linebacker's got to pick him up, and they they went right at him. So to me, it's a lot of the same issues because Kevin O'Connell is from Sean McVay. Knows the look, plays the Niners multiple times. Oh, the one year they all, you know, won the, the Rams won the Super Bowl. We saw him three times that year because they we saw him in the championship game before they beat you guys in the in the Super Bowl at SoFi. So the defense day was lights out, locked down the first five games. The last two games it's not been as strong. And I know you look at our we scored 17 points the last two games offensively after scoring 30, 30, 30, 35, 42. So the offense is down, but the defense, they're not getting off the field on third down. They're not playing as well as they played the first five games of the year. Here's an invitation to join Lap and Wayne Box-Miller for the Bengals Pep Rally Show on Friday. They'll be at the Wings and Rings location in Finneytown from 2.30 to 5.30, and Chase Brown is scheduled to be there for the final hour of that show. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Paycor. Proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet, designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official healthcare provider of the Bengals. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast, and if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.